Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Glad you can join us this morning for worship on this beautiful Father's Day. And if you're able, would you uh, stand as we uh, magnify his name with our hearts and voices? Let's sing together.
great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, O oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Great is your love and justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation And all your people sing along So remember your people
desert and you're the river Never flowing stream of life And in the battle you're the victor Darkness, you're the fire, a holy flame for all to see. And in my heart, you reign forever. Blessed be your name in all the earth, 
and that of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask this prayer. We rejoice to know that we can become a member of your household, which is being assembled into a holy temple, resting upon your chief cornerstone, Jesus. Lord, there are many ways that make us feel unworthy of your continued love and support. As hard as we might try to be like Jesus, we often do or say things that we wish we had handled differently. It seems that daily we are asking for your forgiveness for our sins over and over again. Thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity to support the entirety of your household. In your kingdom, there will be no partiality. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ. We therefore pray for your blessing to be on all the fellow citizens of your household, wherever they may be assembled. We ask that we all might grow in grace and knowledge, and for the Holy Spirit to enable us to share with others the good news of your King and his coming kingdom. We are also learning that our brothers and sisters all over the world are being persecuted more and more for your name's sake. We pray that you protect them from the evil one and grant them the peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter what their circumstances. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. If this is your first time joining us for our worship service, we are so glad that you are here. On your way in, you should have received a bulletin. On there, you will find our Connect card. If you are looking to get connected with the church, we encourage you to fill out that Connect card so we can get to know you. If you have new contact information, please fill out that Connect card so we can keep you updated. On the other side, you will find our prayer card. If you have anyone in your life who is in need of prayer, please fill out the prayer card or visit our website at ljcc.org prayer. On your way out, you can drop these cards off in the foyer or the box mounted on the wall. Good morning. I know what you're thinking. Him again? Me again. Uh, my name is Scott. If we don't know each other, I am an irregular guy who irregularly speaks here. And I, I shouldn't have been here this morning, that's for sure. Uh, I was not on the schedule. Steve, unfortunately, got sick and asked me to fill in. Uh, and I, I hope, he, you know, if he's watching later, uh, I, you know, the truth is I would do anything for Steve, but you know, looking at the camera, within reason, Steve, I will do with anything within reason. Uh, I was traveling for the past six days out of the country, just got back last night, they lost my bags. One of those, so it's one of those kind of mornings, and today is Father's Day, happy Father's Day to you all. But most importantly, the reason I shouldn't be here is because I promised to myself that I would never speak on a major golf Sunday. And here we are at the U.S. Open on a Sunday. And uh, Ricky and Rory, I mean, it's just the setup for today could not be better, could not be perfect for me. And I hope you might enjoy it as well. Uh, we had, it's, well, I'm sure my wife will bring it up today. She was asleep when we still left. Um, good for her. Uh, but we have this infamous Father's Day. And I think it's maybe seven, eight years ago. I'd also been traveling until the night before. Got in maybe about 1 a.m. 
And she'd been telling me that, uh, that her sister, she has two sisters, that her sister who had been pregnant was, uh, was about to go into labor as I'm traveling home. And uh, for context, they live 500 miles north, the sisters and the family. And I was thinking, okay, I mean, that's, you know, the status updates, uh, it's good to know uh, and wish her the best. And right when I got in and she picked me up at the airport that night, she said, she's going into labor. I said, okay. Now, just to let you know, I'm a, I have a sister as well. And uh, I remember when my mom called me and said, hey, your sister's in labor having a baby. I think I said, she's pregnant? <laughs> so I don't really have the same kind of like sisterly vibe that my wife was having in that moment a few years ago. And so when I get home and she says, my sister's in labor, I'm like, okay, yes, uh, you know, I'll pray for her. Hope it goes smoothly. I don't know. And she said, I, I, I really, I really want to be there. To which I said, go for it. And she said, I think we all need to drive up. And I said, yeah, like when? And she said, in the morning. So uh, I kind of let it go because it's 1 a.m. and it's time to go to sleep, but I, I got woken up by my wife around 5.30. And she said, she's in labor right now. I, I just, there's something in me. I have to be there. I just have to be there uh, for her. She wants me there. Do you mind? Can we get in the car? And in the context of you'll do anything for the people that you love, right? You'll do anything. You'll even come to speak on a U.S. Open Sunday for the people that you love, the people that you belong to. I said, okay, let's get in the car. I've never actually been that sort of like shut down the entire drive. I drove. She's like, do you want me to drive? I'm like, nope. You want me to go? I'm taking you. We went, drove 500 miles north, got there in time. The baby was born. And my wife still says, I'm so sorry about ruining Father's Day. That one's that one Father's Day years ago. So the joke today will be, let's try to redeem that Father's Day. And all I want to do is sit and watch golf. But the people that we love, the people that we belong to, we, we do anything for them, uh, right? We, we will go to great lengths, especially when they need us. And I want to talk about that and, and, and uh, kind of process that with us this morning because I think there's, there's, uh, there's an invitation there. We're living in a world right now that is very lonely. And you might have seen on the news that it came out probably three or four weeks ago that the Surgeon General of the United States had kind of published this report and declared that loneliness is this like number one health concern. The Surgeon General talking about loneliness. And, and it was kind of this confounding headline. Like, what, what does that even mean? But if, if you went into the article and went into the, uh, heard it kind of explained that loneliness is the cause of so much uh, uh, concern for mental health. Loneliness is kind of this root source of so many different uh, health issues, not just mental health, but it, it kind of corresponds to all these physical health issues. And uh, there's, of course, like COVID and, and the, the, the kind of fracture of a lot of isolation that impacted that. But we're also just recognizing, I think, that we're living in a, in a very divided world. And that's one perspective is that we're divided politically, but there's this other context that we're going to try to kind of sift through this morning as people of God that we're actually divided from one another. We actually don't, uh, we don't work the way we're designed. And we're going to get into a little bit of the way that we're meant to work as God teaches us through the scriptures. And I want to talk a, a little bit about the big idea, this big idea that for some reason there's something about us that kind of pushes away, pushes against the people, the very people that we ought to draw near. 
There was a show uh, years ago. How many of you watched the show Lost? It was probably 15 years ago. Uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic show until the end. <laughs> if you, so if you know, you know. Terrible ended. Amazing show. And uh, it was one of those shows that went on for years. It was used to be like you had to wait. I don't know if young people, you used to have to wait for episodes to come out. It was crazy. And there would actually be commercials in between these episodes. J.J. Uh, Abrams was the kind of original founder of the show. And he had this uh, idea, he did a TED Talk about it, where he, he called it the mystery box. This mystery box, his grandfather, J.J. Abrams, his grandfather was a magician and uh, would just kind of teach his young grandson these magic tricks. But there was this box in his grandfather's bedroom that had this like question mark and it was locked and it was the mystery box. And J.J., as, as he tells this story, he always wanted to see what was inside the box and his grandfather never let him see inside the box. And uh, what... J.J. took from that is, as a writer of shows, and he's been behind Star Wars and Star Trek and Mission Impossible movies, this guy that created the show Lost, he said that in every single episode, if you do it right, if you write it well, at the end of every episode, there's going to be a new mystery box on the, in a scene. There's going to be something that's presented to you that you as the audience, like, I got to find out what's inside the box. And a good show will do that. A cliffhanger. At the end, i got to figure out what's inside that box. And he said, a really good show will do that before every commercial break. And there's like a little dramatic pause. And so in that show Lost, there were these weird things that would happen uh, in these episodes, especially the first season or two. And you can still watch it. I think it's on Hulu. I watched it with my son a couple years ago, and he just, I mean, within an episode, was like, i got to watch this. There's something really uh, magical about this show. There would be like, on a, on a desert island, this plane crash happens. And on a desert island, all of a sudden in the background, you'd see a polar bear walk through the jungle. And then it would go to commercial. And JJ would say, that's a mystery box. You as the audience member, like, I mean, did I just see that? And you would, if you're watching it with somebody, you'd turn to them like, what, what was that? But one of the main things, one of the main themes in that show was this concept that on the island, this, this kind of shipwreck, plane crash survivors, they started to come in confrontation with what they called the others. And the others were this like, mysterious people that, you know, you, over the seasons, you get to know who they are and why they were there, but the others were, were scary. The others would come and steal part of their, their tribe at night, steal kids from them, steal people, kill people. The others. And they would kind of just see shadows of the others, like, uh, hints of, of the others, like footprints of the others, but they never actually confronted them until maybe season two or three. And that theme, the others, is a kind of a meta theme for it, a lot of life. When we don't understand who people are, we have a way internally of just seeing them through the lens of danger. The others. Uh, we don't understand who they are. We don't know why they're here. We don't understand their agenda. They're different. We don't know where they come from. We have a way, and it's this kind of meta theme for humanity. When we come in contact with somebody, many of us, most of us, at some level, will pull back. We'll pull back and pull away from people because they're different, because we don't get them. We don't understand them. I was raised like that. Uh, in, in as much as I grew up in a, in a nice neighborhood and we interacted with our neighbors, there were still these messages in the backgrounds. Be good neighbors, yet we can't really trust people. Be, you know, uh, take care of your lawn, uh, take out people's trash, 
uh, pull in the, the mail if you need to, but fundamentally, we can't trust other people because they're not like us. Now, no one ever sat me down and told me that, and I don't think I actually needed to be taught that. I think that's something inside the broken nature of who we are. We are not implicitly trusting people of others. These little messages that we get at early ages, don't trust people who are different, has this ripple effect throughout all of history. God, in the early part of the Bible, you see it in early, uh, if you go all the way to the beginning in Genesis, uh, there's this story that starts to unfold. This this theme of the others is picked up in the Bible, uh, in the biblical narrative. And uh, there's this one particular scene early on, it's in Genesis chapter 12, where God picks this man named Abram and Abram's family, and he says this, I pick you, I choose you, and it's going to be through you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something, I have an agenda that's going to kind of uh, be contingent upon you and your family. I am going to send you to a land, and it's going to be through your family and your descendants that the entire world is going to get to know who I am. The entire world will be set right through your family. And there's going to be this covenant, this relationship, this contract between me and you. And the, the actual phrase was, I will bless you, Abram, and your family, and you will then be a blessing. That was the whole contract. You are to go out into the world, and you are to demonstrate and give them an experience of who I am through you, through how you treat them. And that's the beginning of the story, but if you read the entire New Testament, what you see is the implications of that story, of that charge. The whole idea was, I will bless you to be a blessing, and yet what happens immediately, and you see the theme repeated again and again and again, is every single time that family came in contact with the others, they would pull back. There's just something about human nature, whether it's, uh, I want to protect myself, I want to be in survival mode. I don't trust you. I got to maintain my property. I got to hold on to my, uh, my food, my survival. And you kind of uh, expand that today when we, many of us don't live in a survival zone, but we live in this world of protecting what we have, uh, protecting the image of what we have, protecting the control that we have. We want to build something of ourselves. And we're, we're, if it's in threat, we get very uptight. What does it look like to recollect, recall that original mission, that original invitation? The entire Old Testament was all about that through Abram and through the Jewish people that everyone was going to get to know God and it broke down and then Jesus comes. And as we turn to the story of Jesus, I'm going to invite us to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, would you help us to understand our own nature And help us to see what's happening currently in our culture. Uh, The distrust that we have, the accusations we have, the division that we have, whether it's political or uh, medical or uh, all all these kind of ways in which we're being divided. Help us to see through your lens what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're inviting us to do. This ancient theme, God, to uh, the covenant that you have with us, Uh, I pray that you would help us to see what that looks like today. Help us to see the ways in which we've believed the message that we can't trust others, that we have to stay away from others, that we can't trust who they are, their agenda, uh, we we have to protect ourselves, we have to project who we are. I pray that you would help us in this ever-polarized world to be the people of light, to be the people of the blessing.
And we pray this in your name. Amen. Part of the uh, prayer was so helpful this morning. There's a scripture, and uh, as, as Jesus comes, and, and ultimately in the, in the, the kind of the, uh, unfolding of the New Testament, you see this man, Paul, who's writing so much to these uh, early churches, and he's trying to, uh, trying to help them understand the same thing that the Jewish people had been wrestling with at that point for a couple thousand years. What does it look like for us to be a people of the blessing, to be a people who move out into the world, not protect, not create little factions, not to hold on to the blessing, but let the blessing flow through us? And he would describe, and he used this language, like there's no longer uh, uh, slave or free. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer these divisions. We don't have to protect anymore. The whole idea of Jesus, the whole uh, image that he gave, the whole example that he showed us and demonstration of his life was to go out into the world to break down these invisible walls of division. So you'd see him go into these different places. I love the part where Jesus, in John chapter 4, uh, has this interaction with the, Samarit- the Samaritan woman, this woman from Samaria, this woman who is a part of a, a tribe that the real Jews would stay away from. And in fact, the closest like, uh, trade route was to go through Samaria, but good Jews would go around. They would go around Samaria because it might make you unclean even to be in their presence. That's how badly they thought. Can you imagine driving around a neighborhood because you were afraid of what might happen to you there? The themes are here with us today. But Jesus, in that moment, in John chapter 4, it said, he, he said he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. There, it doesn't say necessarily why, but you see Jesus go to this place that all the Jews, his people, the people that lived in the story of the blessing, would say, what are you talking about? A Jewish person who would read that story would say, you, did, you never have to go to Samaria. In fact, what you have to do is avoid it. And Jesus said he had to go there. Why? And he has his interaction with a woman who is so far from the blessing, from their understanding, And he said, inside of you, there is the potential. Inside of you, there is a calling. Inside of you is living water. What Jesus saw in people was the same thing that goes back to the very beginning of Genesis. Inside of every single person is imago Dei, the image of God. Inside of every single person, no matter how different they are than you, is the image of God. Later on, when Paul is describing this, he's saying, quit acting like that's not true anymore. Quit acting like there's division. Quit acting like you have to hoard on to the blessing, that it's just you who know the secret. Quit acting like you have to protect it or project yourselves into, this, into the world. Quit acting like that. It doesn't lead you to good places. Maybe you saw the news, uh, there was a, uh, there's been a kind of a national news story in the past few days about a couple who died from carbon monoxide poisoning down in Mexico. They were in a hotel room and they mysteriously, mysteriously died. Uh, and I think it's the second story, maybe third time this has happened um, in the past recent weeks. And uh, as I was on this trip the past few days, my mom sent me this headline of that story and she said, read this. And I'm looking at it, it says, couple from California, dies in Mexico. So I click on the article, and the name just leaps off the page. Uh, it's this kid I grew up with. This is not a kid. He's a man now. He's the kid across the street that I grew up with. Imagine the kid that you grew up with across the street that you played with 
every day for years. When I think of my childhood, I think of him. Johnny Heathco. John Heathco now. I haven't seen him in uh, 20 years, at least. But when I think about my childhood, I think about that guy. And the last few days, I've just been kind of, my sister and I, remembering him and, and stories of him and interactions with him. And, and it's something we all do when someone that we know passes. We start to remember, and don't we always remember the good parts? Don't we always, uh, if, especially if you've been to a memorial or a funeral, if you've ever had a, the opportunity to speak at one, I, had, uh, I was invited to, to officiate one. I don't know how you say that. Uh, you understand what I mean. And it was a person that uh, um, everyone in her life would say was relatively miserable. <laughs> and it was like, thanks for the task. <laughs> uh, that's like the, the biggest setup. Uh, okay, so, and I'm pulling, like, could you please give me something? And it took a lot of time and energy to hear and sift through these stories that family members would tell me to pull out the ways in which this person was actually made in the image of God. Because over the years, people had been belittled by her. People had been, uh, she was mean and mean-spirited. You know that kind of story. And I was just like, man, are, are we all happy she's gone, actually? But I had to, you know... Ha- to get to that place, and I remember getting to that place of authentically saying there were pieces of her, uh, the, the generosity of, of her life uh, had seeds, had hints of who God is. We got to know who, uh, a part of who God is based on her generosity. She reflected that. I, I heard these little tiny stories, these little tiny hints of good times, and they would kind of qualify them and say, yeah, but then it was awful the rest of the day. But there was these little tiny moments, and I had to, I mean, do a lot of work to then present, and the, and the whole kind of presentation of her life for like these three uh, themes of who she was that were real small, but to make them, and, 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 it, and I wasn't lying. I was, there was no bait and switch. And I was very upfront with the family to say, we all know what she was like. I mean, we... It is the both ands, but I want to highlight as this person passes the ways in which she taught us about the blessing, about who God is. This is what we do. This is what I'm doing with my friend as I reflect on his life. Uh, A man who was so kind, so full of life. Uh, A kid that I remember just always up for fun and adventure. A kid that uh, eventually, as a man, started companies. I can see that in the early days of his really hijinks and pranks that we would do together to neighbors. And I won't tell you all the things that we, uh, the flaming bags of this and the ding-dong ditching. And, but those guys, so to hear and read about his career and think, of course he started these companies that, that impacted people's lives and healthcare. Of course. It's what we do. And what I want to help us kind of land on is this idea that we don't have to wait until people pass, to start thinking through, reflecting on the ways in which they reflect God's character. And in fact, I think that's actually what God invites us to do as Christians, as people of God. And I'm sure some of you get kind of heated about some of the issues out in the world these days, don't you? I won't point fingers, but I'm Facebook fans with a few of you. You get heated you get really heated and tense. And, and I, know, I, I know why. I was reading something this morning and it had to do with Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and I was just like, oh my, and this debate and maybe you saw that and we could talk about it later. But I just was like, how are people like this? How, are they, how do they think that? They must be evil inside their hearts. Like how could, 
And, and it, th- this is kind of the world that we live in. We have family members that we don't talk to anymore because of something that they did. And, and it, I mean, it, it matters what they did. And, and that, th- those wounds are real. But what does it look like in today's world, in our life right now, to look at people, to actually pick them up in our minds, in our hearts, and invite God to help us to see that person? And to not see that person as like so far off, so profane, so uh, uh, far from God that we have to pray for their rescue, but to actually see them for who they actually are in their core, made in the image of God. That means that every single person, no matter what they've done, said, believe, vote for, they have God in them. How do we learn to pick them up in our hearts in our minds, and look for those ways. Think about them. Because when we do, we start to see them differently. I know you've done that with your kids, for those of you who are parents. As rotten as they're being, as awful as they've been, you still take a step back and think, no, no. But who they are at their core is kind and generous and full of potential And we have a way of kind of overseeing the rotten things they're saying to us or looking at us or done to us. We have a way, that's the same exact kind of invitation that we have. That's what it means to be a blessing. We are blessed with the opportunity to see through God's eyes the people around us. And when we do, it will change. Not only how we think about them, but it'll actually change them. You know this if you've been uh, an educator. You know this if you've been a parent, that people rise up into the best version that you see in them. If you see that they're awful, they will be awful. If you see that they're grumpy, they will be grumpy. If you see that they're full of hate, they will be full of hate. But if you can learn to see them through the lens that God sees them, the imago Dei in them, they will reflect that back. It's this weird thing that happens. But it takes time, it takes energy, it takes something from us. Because frankly, I think we like to be divided. It feels more comfortable for some weird, sick reason. It feels nice to be kind of like judgmental. Doesn't it? Every single time I'm judgmental and criticize someone, I feel better. I don't know what that is. I'm sure if, you, if you're like a neuroscientist, you know there's something going on there. I feel a little bit more like, yeah, I feel a little bit more safe and sturdy and in charge and control. But it also leads me to being alone. That's where we're at today. So how do we learn to see other people the way God sees them? That's exactly our invitation. Jesus, there's this profound moment when the temple of the curtain, as he's dying, the temple, I forget which gospel writer writes it, but the temple of the curtain was torn, like it it rips. And this, this curtain that was the dividing line between profanity, profane, uh, the, the opposite of what's sacred and the sacred. And when Jesus dies, he literally, the, the curtain veil is torn. It's opened up. He says the temple breaks down. Profane, I looked it up in Latin. Profanum means outside the temple. What Jesus did was to tear that down and invite us to be just like him. We have the opportunity to be the blessing. But we have to make the step to do it. So what are you going to do? The people in your life, the, the 12 to 15 people around you, I'm sure one of them is really irritating to you. 
There's one of them. I guarantee there's one out of the 12 to 15 people you see the most that's like really like, eh, what they post on Facebook, what they talk about, their spirit, their countenance, their personality. It just grates you. It's just as, they just can't understand why they are the way that they are. That's your person. That's your person, at least for today. And I don't, you don't have to do anything except to think about them and try to sift through your experiences, your feelings, and, and again, that's real. If they've hurt you, that is real. But to try to sift through, in what ways do they reflect? Do they show you who God is? In what ways? What little tiny green, little pearl, little something that you could say, yeah, that's actually, that kind of smells like, that sounds like, it feels like the way God would be. Would you pray with me? God, we, uh, we want to be who you want us to be. In as much as we want to uh, be isolated, uh, as, as much as it feels kind of weirdly comfortable to be judgmental, to, to uh, uh, treat people with contempt, uh, to dismiss people, as much as it feels good to like, not talk to the people that we grew up with anymore because of their political beliefs, uh, it, we also know there's another part of that. There's another part of that that, uh, that that because I think you're in our lives, your spirit is in us, you know that there's, that's not the end of the story. That can't be. I'm just imagining, uh, I, I know C.S. Lewis's great divorce as he, as he describes this uh, experience of what it's like to be in hell. He describes this uh, 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 people that... It, uh, move into a neighborhood, and initially they are drawn to their neighbors. But as they get to know them, they realize, oh, I can't stand them. And so they move their house farther away from their neighbors. And then another mo- neighbor moves in. And they get to know them at first, and at first it's okay, but then they get to know how different they are and how annoying they are, and so they move away. And this picture that C.S. Lewis gives us of, of hell, uh, life away from you, is where we're divided. Uh, God, that's, that's a reality uh, that we live in. Our world is like that. And yet you say that heaven can come to earth. You say and you invite us to be a conduit of your blessing. I pray for that person right now on each one of our minds that we are around, that we interact with, that's just so irritating, just so annoying, just so difficult, just doesn't, whatever they say, whatever they vote for, what they believe, what they think, how they talk, just is different than us. I pray Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see you in them. Help us to uh, reflect on the ways in which they are like you. And I pray that you'd make that clear to us. And we now bless that part of them. We bless that part of that person their small generosity, their humor, their kindness, their willingness to be a servant. We bless that part of them because that is you in them. And we pray wherever they are in the world right now that they would uh, supernaturally be reminded of that part of their personality, of who they are, their identity, the good parts, that you would amplify that good part in them. That the, uh, the ways in which they are like you, God, that it would actually just, something supernaturally right now would bubble up inside them and that would come to mind for them. And they would look and seek for ways to express that 
and, and to align themselves more towards those things that are in them from you. And as we turn, uh, return to worship, as, as we consider also the offering, which we can give in the box on the back uh, as you, on your way out, also online, God, that uh, we would see that the ways in which you've blessed us are intended to bless others. And we would have open hands towards that. Uh, willingness for you to use us. Even if we feel like it hasn't been used well in the past, God, that we would trust you again. Trust in your mission, trust in your spirit. I pray this in your name. Amen. Your heart and lead me in your love to God.
Okay, you can all be seated, please. Uh, before I pray the benediction, I wanted to take a moment uh, to honor our recent graduates. And um, sometimes we go off script, so I'm going to go off script a little bit today. I know that's a dangerous thing to do. You can end up in trouble doing that. But, um, you know, I was at a graduation yesterday. I don't know where George is. And, oh, there's George over there. I was at a... Uh, George Dubinin graduated from UCSD yesterday, and, and so it's a big transition for him. But normally we just pray for graduating seniors, whether it's from high school or, or college, and really what we're acknowledging is the accomplishment, but also the, the challenge of a big transition. And uh, once the excitement of the graduation wears off, you realize that your whole life is changing, whether you're going to college, or whether you're going into the working world, or even if you're going from kindergarten to first grade. These are huge transitions. And I see our friends from Nigeria here, and they went through a big transition coming to this country, leaving what was familiar and going into what was unfamiliar. So um, I want to pray for our graduating seniors. Uh, Isaiah, I think you're back there. Uh, I have it on good authority that nobody wants to stand up and be officially recognized, so we won't do that. And uh, I can appreciate that. But uh, there are others, too. There are children who are, like I said, kindergartners going into first grade. Um, it's Father's Day. And you can't help but think of uh, fathers if you're away from home or if your father is in heaven, like mine is. So transitions, going from the unfamiliar to the familiar. So. What we can commit to you graduates, regardless of what you're graduating to and from, um, that God's spirit will always be with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, and he doesn't. When the, the newness of that transition wears off and you have to just deal with the realities of completely new and unfamiliar circumstances, Christ is with you. And secondly, remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So we remind all of you about that, that as you go from the, un the familiar to the unfamiliar, God is with you. We're praying for you, and you may not be here anymore, but the Spirit of the Lord goes with you, and our prayers go with you as well. So please join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your Son, who set such an amazing example. And... Um, even your son learned obedience through his suffering. And Father, we all face transitions in life, and we rejoice with the, those graduating seniors, Isaiah, George, and others, Emily, who was, could not be here with us today. Uh, we rejoice in the kindergartners that are going into first grade. We rejoice with the eighth graders who are going into high school. So many transitions, Father. And we thank you for the excitement that those transitions bring. But there are also those that are left behind. And as we watch these young people and old transition to new, from the familiar to the unfamiliar, that we receive your blessing. And Father, we proclaim to them uh, what your word says, that your son will never leave us or forsake us, and that his spirit actually resides with us. You sent your spirit to us, Father, so that we will never be alone or forsaken. And Father, we know that whatever the future holds, you are there with us. And on our behalf, 
we go with you as well. For those of you who are leaving us or maybe going into a new time of life, our prayers go with you, and you can always consider this place to be home. So, Father, we thank you for the, the reassurance that you give us through your Son. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And may the blessing of God and the power of his Holy Spirit be alive in you every day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.